Hey, you got Frank with the Everyday Sniper here, and we have another interview for you guys. This one's not a SHOT Show interview, but it's an interview that I'm doing on the new system, new phone call-in, so we'll see how that sounds. But I have Gordon Meal, who's a gun writer, and actually just participated. He's jumped into Precision Rifle. He just participated in the Mammoth uh, Sniper Challenge. He's using the, or did use the Ashbury Precision Rifle, the same one we're offering as the Sniper's Hide Edition. As well, he has a little bit of background with the Nukon Optic 3500M Laser Rangefinder. He used it at that event as well, so we can talk about that as I'm using it at the same time. And so it's just going to be a really great little mix of someone new getting into the precision rifle field, jumping into their first big competition, and then working with all the products that we've been talking about over the last, you know, two, three months. So, Gordon, welcome to the Everyday Sniper Podcast. Thanks for coming and calling in. Hey Frank, thanks for having me. I'm glad to glad to be here. And I just want to say, as I got into Precision Rifle, you're uh, the snipers hide in the community, and and uh, your podcast are were really instrumental in getting me uh, stoked about uh, Precision Rifle and helping me ferret out some of uh, some of my concerns and worries and and uh, helping me get educated. So thanks for what you're doing for the uh, precision rifle community too. I think it's, I think it's pretty awesome. Oh, that's excellent. I appreciate the accolades, man. We're just doing our thing and, and throwing out some knowledge bombs. So give everybody a background of what made you think about going to something like the mammoth sniper challenge. Cause that's a bit of a gut check match. And uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to say the least, I kind of dove into the uh, to the deep end of the swimming pool there uh, to learn to swim. So, uh, yeah, it, it was it, it was fun. It was a really well run match. And uh, our, our friend Joe Cali, uh, Chris Andrews did a, a great job. And Kristen uh, from Grunt Style, they just put together a, a, a phenomenal event. And, um, and, I, yeah, go ahead. Sorry, I was going to interrupt you because Joe Callie's the Bigfoot guy. He is. He is. And there was Sasquatch made some appearances throughout the throughout the uh, throughout the event. It was uh, uh, some of the stages required you to be on the lookout for Sasquatch, which was fun. Nice. So. <laughs> yep, sorry, so I didn't mean to interrupt you, but yeah, give everybody like what 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 pushed you towards precision rifle what you know what steps and directions you went and, and just kind of lay it out of you know the, your training and then the realities of the match and and any advice you can give to anybody out there listening who wants to jump into these type of events sure i would first off if you're thinking about getting into precision rifle whether it's these rucking events or prs or just a local uh you know uh, 100, 300, 600 yard, uh, event, uh, just do it. Um, you know, don't, don't sit around thinking about it. Uh, just run what you brung. And, you know, even if it's just, you know, like your daddy's old, you know, Remington 700, uh, just go out there and start getting into it. That it, it's, it's great. The community's great. And you can only learn by doing, um, as, as, as I learned, um, I, I tend towards, uh, being a student and uh, and studying everything before I try to get out and try to get it done perfectly uh, in my book learning first. And uh, I missed out on a whole lot of fun uh, while I was book learning. Trying uh, So uh, that that's first off. So my background originally, um, I had uh, uh, always been, you know, kids going out with their BB guns, trying to hit tin cans as far away as possible. Uh, that was always growing up doing that. Never, uh, family wasn't really into firearms. So, uh, BB guns were probably were the extent of it. Um, after college, uh, wanted to join the Marines, but, uh, an injury prevented me from, from joining. So kind of became a fanboy at that point, watching all my friends, uh, serve our country and longing to do so, uh, Long story short, I got the opportunity to work at Remington, uh, specifically AAC and uh, Para back in the Para days, uh, and was exposed to a lot of uh, really good shooters. Uh, a guy named Ryan Kleckner, you're probably familiar with Ryan. Yep, he does um, the NSF stuff, two S's. Yeah, so yeah, I got to uh, 
uh, I got to work alongside of him and he kind of, uh, got me, uh, you know, I got bit by the long range bug and, uh, he, he talked it up and I got a, an old, uh, AAC SPS 308, uh, and started just shooting, going out whenever the range, whenever I could. Uh, and that led into writing about, uh, uh about guns, uh, after I left Remington and AAC and all that brouhaha that surrounded uh surrounded remington and aac and para uh and um cerberus right uh, right I, I i went back to designing at remington i was in their marketing department so i wasn't really hands-on into the technical stuff i was helping try to to market to the the tactical community um which was good and i got to like i said i got to get into writing about and writing for some magazines. Uh, and that was nice cause I got to shoot a lot of really cool stuff and, uh, it got exposed to all the, the latest technology scopes, got to learn a lot. Uh, but after a while, uh, about last year, around this time last year, uh, I realized that, uh, I was just collecting data. I was just throwing, uh, throwing rounds down range, uh, shooting these really cool rifles for 45 days, returning them to the company, writing an article about them, talking to all these really great guys. Um, I live in Charlotte, North Carolina, uh, and really close by there's, uh, there's a range called the sawmill met some guys, uh, Josh from Wilder tactical is a former, uh, Ranger medic and some Marsoc sniper guys that, that, uh, work out of the place. And they started talking about, uh, getting really hardcore into this event called the mammoth ultimate sniper challenge. And I looked into it and I was like, that sounds like something that would be, would be really, really fun to work towards. And, uh, they just said, just do it. Just, just, just find a way to do it. You're, you're, you get yourself a gun to just go out and, and, and do it. So I'm surrounded by all these shooters. Uh, I realized that, that, I am not a shooter. I I'm book smart, but not, uh, uh, not trigger smart, I guess is maybe what you would call it. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, which I, I don't know. There's, there's, there's various writers out there and I'm not gonna, uh, I'm not gonna pretend that, 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 you know, uh, I'm that, uh, that writer who knows, uh, who has the, the experience. There's some guys who have a lot of experience and can't write, uh, those are the guys I like to talk to and give voice to their, their knowledge uh, and try to learn from them. And then there's there's me who can take a lot of information and and make sense out of it. Uh, but, uh, the application of of that, um, I realized that, uh, you know, I I wanted to, uh, I I wanted to actually do Do it. You reached out to me early. You were, uh, you called me pretty early in your process. Um, if I recall correctly, I, I did. I did. I was been listening to uh, the Everyday Sniper and just going through all the the boards on the uh, on the Sniper's Hide, and uh, I, I just uh, I wanted to go to the source. I really uh, one thing that really impressed me about what your message is is the uh, fundamentals uh, and how key they were. And I just, I, I, if you recall, I just was kind of picking your brain. It probably sounded very. Uh, you kind of get blind emails i get them all the time you know and you kind of yeah. get a blind email and somebody's like hey you know i'm going to this and it's like okay have good, good luck with that you know enjoy and it's not quite sure where to go with some of them because you do get hit up a lot on this you know on this end of it oh, i bet and, and so, you know, at the same time, I'm, I'm kind of got other things going on. And then Mammoth was right after the new year. And it's like, who does a match on like January 2nd or something it was, or it's like the fifth or whatever. I'm like, man, that's close <laughs> to New Year's and it's cold and it's all this and it's a gut check match, um, you know, because I had been asked to shoot it by several people. And it's like, no, nah, I'm not going in that direction. And, and I couldn't have anyway, just how my, my uh, situation turned out. In, in December, but at the same time, then I found out you got hooked up with Ashbury. So what sent you over to Morris and talking to the guys at Ashbury? Well, I, I, I started, uh, 
shooting a, uh, a six millimeter and, uh, realized really quickly after, uh, I, I took, I took a course. The first thing I, I signed up to do was to, uh, uh, realize that again, I have to do, but I have to learn by doing, uh, I can read everything. I, I read Ryan's book. I read through all the, the, the forums on sniper's hide, but I had to put, uh, I had to put all that into action. So, um, uh, Sornex tactical applications group here had uh, a, a precision rifle course. They had some uh, guys come in, some professional instructors come in from loophole to put on the course. So I was, uh, I immediately, as soon as I found out, I'm like, I, I got to do that. Uh, you know, I got to get somebody to teach me, uh, what to do. Um, and that was the start of it. I had a, a, a 243 that I was, I was shooting, uh, quickly realized that, that that's not like a beginner's round really. Um, I'd have to go to my, the loading bench, which I have no clue what to, how to hand load. Um, I've done hand loading for nine millimeter, but I wouldn't begin to know all the mistakes I could make trying to do it for yeah, a long Yeah, exactly. Range. It's it's a little bit more detailed. It's funny because uh, people I've been telling people and teasing them that I have a, a great interview with Brian Litz, and he, he mentions with, um, you know, you can't just see somebody play guitar then pick up a guitar and think you're going to copy it. So they're, they're, Oh, I wish, I wish. <laughs> right, so there's a lot of that where it's like, well, you know, that guy did it and I can do that, and then people think because they hit a target at 100 yards and the group looks good, well, now I'm going to go and put myself in a situation where I got to carry everything. I got to walk X amount of miles a day. And then I got to, you know, uh, find, you know, locate and range a target and engage it. And putting all those things into practice, it's not as easy as it looks on TV, I guess is a better way of putting it. And um, so, yeah, this is, this is kind of a great thing that you recognized you had a limitation and now you're seeking professional help to go and, uh, you know, kind of work through that before you jump in with both feet to something like a mammoth match. Yeah, and I, I guess I was, I was really naive in knowing what the, the scope of, of mammoth was and everything that, uh, that would be required of me both physically, mentally, and, and as, a, as a shooter. Uh, which was good because I think if I had a fully known going into it, I I would not have and I, I would not have done it and I would have missed out on a really great experience. Yeah, for so, a first match. I mean, like I said, that's a tough <clears throat> first match to jump into. But at the same time, it sounds like you you ended up learn a lot. So I interrupted you on the Ashbury part. So you had your two forty three. And now you kind of don't you realize you got a hand load for that six millimeter caliber. So where do you go that hooks you up with Ashbury? Because I know Ashbury ended up giving you the rifle that I've been talking about, the Sniper's Hide Edition, just an unbranded version of it. Right. They let they let me borrow it <laughs> uh, to 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 get used to it, and I'm uh, I'm trying to figure out a a way where I can um, uh, buy that off of them because it is every bit worth the um, uh, the the money. Uh, well, it, it was, they had announced, they sent out a, a news, uh, a press release saying that, um, they're coming they're, They were, uh, developing or they had, uh, the, uh, M 700 Sabre modular. Yes. And, and the Cabela's model. Cause they sell the Cabe- one at Cabela's, yeah. right. Just a scaled down version of what I did. Right. It's, yeah, exactly. So, uh, I reached out to them and said, uh, the, the price is right. Hey, I'm doing mammoth. Um, I'm doing regular articles, uh, at American grit. I would, I want to know more about, uh, about this rifle. I'm, uh, I've decided I'm going to shoot six, five Creedmoor, um, because again, shooting the six millimeter, I had to hand load, uh, and I wanted to get around that was, uh, good ballistics out of the box that was reliable. So if, if I cross, I know you're not supposed, you're all supposed to go out and buy as much as you can from the same lot that I learned later. <laughs> right. Uh, but, uh, but that was consistent from a company that I, you know, that, that, uh, had a good reputation. Um, and I used, um, I used one of the ballistic, uh, ballistic app to 
kind of play with different scenarios, different weights, and just, again, really naively looking at uh, charts and graphs and saying, oh, you know, I'll, I'll try this. And uh, landed, I, I just by chance got, uh, Hornet, uh, got some Hornady ELD uh, match in 147. Uh, the ballistics looked great. Called up uh, Ashbury and said, hey, can you help me? I'm doing Mammoth. Uh, what do you have? And um, we started the whole process of just, they, they really were talking about uh, who I was as a shooter, what I could, uh, what they had to offer. And uh, they said, okay, we're going to build you this rifle um, and uh, see, see what you think of it. Uh, everything looked good on paper. Remember, I'm a, I'm a, like I'm a book guy. Yeah. You're a numbers uh, guy. You're uh, looking at the data yeah. sheets. Right. Right. So I'm like, this all looks amazing. Uh, can you shoot it in the 147 grain? Uh, they had sent me the their target sheet uh, with using the 140 or 137. I think they were using yeah, 136 uh, Cnar probably. With yeah, there you go. Skinar. Skinar. <laughs> that's a, that's a good word. <laughs> and I uh, said, so can you try it with the 147? And they said, well, we would faint if it gets much more accurate than. Uh, than what we have here's our you know here's here's the, the target and i think the group size the vertical the, the vertical delta on the group was uh after you take out the the width of the bullet was like uh 0.04 something like that and um they said well fain if it gets much if, if we can get a group better than that uh two days later dave uh, from sales calls me. He's like, uh, we just fainted because that 147, it's a 0.3. So uh, I said, great. Send me the rifle. I was, I think I stayed awake every night for four nights waiting for that to come to the <laughs> FFL. That's uh, funny. And then yeah, I was, uh, I, 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 I was, uh, I was really excited. I had sent them my, uh, my Steiner, uh, MX five to, to put on it. So it came ready to go. Okay. Um, so uh, then do you go out and dope the rifle up? Do you, how much prep did you have prior to going to the match with it? it? Like what was your process to get your data before the match? So I had about two and a half months, I'd say before January. So it came in like late, like mid, just before, just before Halloween, I think it, it came. So like a full two months uh, to get it out. So weather wasn't really, really cooperative, but um, I knew I'd just, I, I had to put rounds down range on the rifle. Um, I went out to uh, my shooting partner at the time. Uh, we, we went out um, and just as much as we could, uh, as far as we could. Now I could only go out to 600 yards there. And I was just putting rounds down range in different weather conditions uh, my main focus, though, was fundamentals. I, I knew that uh, the rifle was a much better rifle than I was a shooter. So I was like the 16-year-old kid who dad, whose dad buys him a Porsche. Yes. And says, here, learn to drive. And I'm like, okay. Yeah, and don't Great. wrap yourself this, around that tree. <laughs> right. And I think, you know, like figuratively, I wrapped myself around a couple trees with uh, – uh, with the rifle, just trying to outguess the rifle and not trusting it, um, in my practice sessions. So I learned, you know, I, I learned when to take my foot off the accelerator and when to put it on. Uh, nice. And so, yeah, I just, I just kept practicing fundamentals, just working on, uh, recoil management, getting square up behind the, behind the gun, doing your dot drill, uh, over and over and over again. Uh, my thinking was there's no way I'm going to be able to predict what situations they're going to put me in. Uh, you know, what barricades right, so just be or, kind of a well-rounded, you know, cross the course guy. I could do prone sitting, kneeling, standing. I'm good. I got my tripod and that kind Ex of stuff. Yeah, exactly. Just, and I always started off every, every, you know, every session I went out, I started off with, a, a modified dot drill, you know, maybe not as many shots as you're recommending, but 
just that doing a natural point of aim drill and um, making sure just getting up, getting back into position and work on building my position over and over again, just to get that muscle memory down. Nice. Uh, and I, and I figure that, Hey, if they're going to put me in weird stuff, at least I can rely on my fundamentals. I'd been a martial artist growing up. So, you know, we always went back to the fundamentals and, you know, I had always been told that you're, you're not going to rise to the level of the situation. You're, you're just going to fall back onto your, right, your, default to your training. training. Yep. So, so um, then <laughs> I think that was the smartest, the smartest thing I did was, was just keep, keep going over the fundamental, even like, I mean, I would set up like my, you know, uh, I, I got a Saracen on your recommendation so I could just, I threw that over the dining room chair and I would just be sitting there and, and building a position while, while, you know, we're having dinner and stuff. So, <laughs> but sure, the uh, wife yeah. appreciated that. Uh, she was, she was glad that like after January 7th, that there would be a little bit of a, a reprieve in, uh, my obsessing of, uh, about mammoth, but it's starting again nice. now for next year. Yeah. So. so now you, you go to the mammoth, the, 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 the match, you got your data, you got the rifle, you kind of have an idea of like, I know I'm going to run into situations that I didn't expect. They're going to make me do something I'm not ready for. Well, because now you had some issues at the match that weren't of your doing that you didn't have recover from, right? Exactly. So, um, it, partly my doing, I think, but, uh, part, partly not. Um, so one thing I didn't do for mammoth that I wish I had done much sooner is, um, one ruck harder, do the physical training, uh, much harder than what I was. I mean, I was doing the you know, 15 minute rucks with a, a, a 45 pound, 50 pound pack, um, for about four or five miles, a couple times a week for the last, you know, the last three months leading up to it. Um, which I thought was, was good. And then about three weeks out, I started taper back thinking, Oh, well, I don't want to peak, you know, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm overthinking it. Right. Uh, like I said, I'm a book guy. So I was way over thing. I certainly don't, my wife says, I certainly don't underthink things. So, um, uh, but I wish I had really nailed down my loadout and what I was packing and what I was, what I was going to do more, uh, before mammoth. Cause, uh, the two nights before mammoth, I was up late trying to figure out how to get my pack weight down and imbalance it so it doesn't pull you to one side and mess with you right right i mean rucking's a trick coming from me like in the marine corps i have to carry what everybody else does you know and once i learn to kind of get my pace get the ruck balance correctly get it on my body right then i would cruise but you know that's not something that comes naturally to people who think okay i'll put this on my back and just go once you start getting over a certain weight there's, there's technique to it. Yeah. And I, I did not have that technique in the least. <laughs> I, uh, so I ended up, I mean, I was doing some rocks, you know, 40 to 50 pound pack. Um, I think I ended up the night before I was at, uh, with ammo. And then we also had to carry pistol ammo because this year mammoth had a pistol component, which, um, I'd been obsessing about long range stuff that I really hadn't practiced pistol, but for like two days in the past year, which was not as detrimental as, as you would think, but really I should have, I would have done, I would have done a lot, been a lot more successful. And the funny thing is all the sniper comps, all the tactical comps prior to PRS had pistol in it because we recognize, you know, that's, that's your self-defense, that's your protection. You can't always count on bringing your long gun to bear on something. You need that sidearm. You need a secondary weapon system for for the movement, the close in, and all those other things. And so we always had a pistol component, but then they had an incident down down southeast, and they cut it out of PRS competition. And I think they did a disservice to people doing that. I agree. I I think it was great. It it was a – it's another – uh, tool in the it, toolbox. It's another tool in the toolbox, and it's another uh, challenge to think through and and strategize. And and you know, they're always you know in a competition. There's always gonna you, there's always a way to game it. So there's uh, there's that 
that gaming. But the pistol component really wasn't something that you could game a whole lot. It was no, always fight to your rifle you or to, fight from it, yeah, right? Yeah. So uh, they, Chris did a really good job of, of not making it like a you, you have this USPSA part, and now we're going to go over to you, now you're going to dump your your pistol, and then you're going to go over to the rifle part. Um, it was it was all really well integrated into right, combined the, in, and, the, and that's how it should be. So what happens with your partner? What happens with you're in the middle of this match, and now you're thrown into the deep end? So I, I don't I I didn't hydrate two or three days before properly, I didn't eat properly. So that's, that's on me. It's not an excuse. It's just stupidity on my part, getting really, really excited, really nervous, not thinking the whole 360 of, of what was in front of me. Good tip right there, guys. Yeah. Uh, just, just don't get too laser focused on, on one thing. Uh, so we, we get there, we muster at, uh, at, 6 a.m. 0600 uh, in around there, and it is pouring down rain. Uh, the best quote of the weekend someone told me was, "Mammoth is always going to find a way to screw you, <laughs> except he didn't use screw. Mm-hmm. He, <laughs> he, uh, he used the, the yeah. We swear on here, no big deal. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, <laughs> I drop f bombs. I get it. There you go." So, uh, that, and it was so, it's true. So we're sitting there, uh, waiting for the, 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 the race brief pig man from, um, uh, from the sportsman's channel was the official race starter. Everybody was giving their speeches and then you divide up into your squads all the while it is pouring down rain and I can feel my pack just getting heavier. Even though I have dry bags in my pack. But the pack itself, uh, the rain had washed away any silicone I had sprayed on it, and it was getting heavier. And uh, I had soaked through my 511 rain jacket. Um, luckily, I had rain pants on that were really were hunting rain pants uh, that were really really good. I don't want to sound like a commercial, so I won't keep mentioning brand names. But right, right. They were. Um, they, they were good. Uh, so my feet were dry. My legs were dry. Uh, we ruck out. Everybody's excited. Everyone starts jogging. So <laughs> I'm like, all right, let's, let's run. So, uh, you know, I'm that's running. a tactic, right? Like the guy, yeah. that's the, that's the weed. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> Bit of my shot show hiv. Um, yeah, that's that's the weed out the people who aren't ready. So the the guys who are in good shape who know what they're doing will crush you early just by making you run. Well, that's they. they it was successful for me. <laughs> so, um, and it really, really I, like you know I'm running uh, two mile two miles. I think our first ruck was only like two point three three miles. Uh, I think it was uphill the whole way, but um, <laughs> in the snow, that's, <laughs> in the snow, uh, just for me. Uh, uh, but all of a sudden, you know, the, the my lack of of forethought in in hydrating well uh, and having a good good meal and uh, having actually having breakfast that morning um, kind of hit me, and I just got like. I got dizzy and uh, was like, wow, this is, I can't believe, you know, I I just wanted to make the first run. (laughs) That's all I wanted. And uh, I just, I was like, wow, I really underestimated uh, my, uh, overestimated myself and and underestimated Mammoth, overestimated myself. Uh, So I slowed down a little bit, tried to get, uh, tried to get my my bearings. and, uh, long story short, I missed the first ruck by about 15, 20 seconds. Um, I, I think if I had a, had the presence of mind to really start my watch at the right time, I probably, uh, could have pushed myself a little bit harder. Right, monitored it uh, a little bit better, had a, t- a stopwatch yeah. on you or a countdown yeah. timer. But then that's, then I probably would have missed the second ruck. So, uh, <laughs> you know, um, so I think over half the field that 
missed the first ruck, uh, or close to half the field missed the the, the first uh, the first ruck. Uh, combined, you know, people going the wrong way, not following directions, um, not paying attention to the clock, you know, uh, being out of shape, uh, you know, like myself. Uh, but in Mammoth, you're still allowed to shoot. You're just off the prize table. You don't. Uh, okay. So it's you, more like it's, a penalty. It's more like a prize penalty. You should just do a time penalty for you or something. Yeah, I, you know, there's there's a number of ways, uh, number of ways to do it because you know it is a shooting competition ultimately, and that's what you're. That's kind of you. You don't get a you don't get a time for your ruck. You just have to make it under a certain right. You have uh, a part time that you have to be there by the part time. And then you go and shoot, and that keeps you in the game by hitting that par time for movement. Right. So if you, uh, I don't know if it's, I, I don't know if it's a fault in the system or it's just a, a quirk in the system that if you hit very few targets and make all the rucks, you would still go to the prize table. Of course, you would get the, you know, after everyone else is gone, um, you would go to the, you would, um, yeah, you no, I get you. Cause it's table. a, it's a, it's kind of, cause they come from a bit of a three gun world. So there's a little bit with that, how they can play with time versus hits. As long as you yeah. shoot at it and you're fast, you're good. It's, you know, but hitting it is ultimately what they look at as being the, the better way of doing it, but you can go really fast and still keep a, a a base level in the game. Yeah, and just just as long as you make as long as you make the ruck. So, um, so I didn't make the first ruck, but I still they, they came back and and you know I, I was in the tough man division. I told you I, I dove way into the deep end, right? Mm-hmm. So I was I was going to camp out. My my ego is a. Um, uh, I'm I'm 50 years old, but I have the mentality that I'm still 20. Yep, I'm uh, the same and I'll, way. I, I'll never let that go because you know I, I I think that's great. I think the age is just a number, but um, I still have to know my limitations, and right, I, I right. kind of. So what are the tar- uh, what is shooting now? Let's get into the shooting part of it. What are the sure, shooting yeah. part? Because that's where everybody's here for shooting. They're like, I don't care about running around a rock. I want to shoot, and, <laughs> but I get it. But that's part of the match, you know. So yeah. w- talk to us about what you found from a shooting standpoint. I w- I understand tough man, mammoth. It's physical. The conditions suck, but it's still a rifle well, match. And it was the the way I like the way they 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 had arranged it so that most of the stages were blind stages. Right. So you didn't get the benefit of someone else seeing the guy in front of you execute yeah. it. Right. You don't you don't you don't get influenced by the other competitors around you and how they negotiated the obstacle. It's blind to you. You have to now think on the fly, and you have to and, execute. And like, Exactly. Likewise, they don't get the benefit of your figuring something out that they didn't. Right. Um, in previous years, from talking to various various competitors, there have been stages where, like, the first five people would do it one way, and then someone would come up and go, "Oh, wait, the rules, the way you read the stage brief, I can do it this way." And so they would do it, and they're like, "Yeah, that's perfectly legal, and you just saved, you know, you were able to hit five more targets." Right. Than the other guy. You, than the other guy. So then everybody else does it that way. And now you kind of, you know, your advantage was everyone else's advantage. And the first five guys um, are, are scratching their heads. And that's pretty typical. Uh, Even it depends on how a squad is stacked. If they put newer people in the front, they'll struggle through. But then when the seasoned guys come up, they, they already have a plan. They already know how they're going to kind of game the stage. And they'll do it different from the first couple people. And that's been a major complaint with some of them where I think blind stages take that away. Where if a guy just purely games it based on his own experience and his own knowledge, hey man, that's all good. But when it's being influenced because you see a mistake, like I see a mistake you make, and I go, okay, I'm not going to make that same mistake. So clearly I'm not going to shoot it like that. And, and then I can manipulate how I'm going to do it. And, you know, there's other situations where people will come up from another squad 
And so one squad shooting it one way, another squad sees you shoot it another way or shoot it that way and then decide as a squad, say, well, we're not doing what they just did. It's not a good idea. And, you know, then they run into this situation of, well, everybody on squad A did it one way. Everybody on squad B did it another. Squad C followed squad B, but then D didn't see what C did because they didn't pay that kind of attention. So they're doing it like A. And then the next thing you know, it's like, well, wait a minute. That's not what we shot it like this. And people are like, sorry, man, you should have paid more attention where the blind stage, the field stages where it's not as limited, where it's like, as long as you carry it, as long as you get from A to B within certain times and have it on your back, have at it. But then, like you said, nobody has that advantage of learning from your mistakes. Yeah. And and it it was... And it forced me to, to, to really think on my feet. And one thing my partner and I didn't practice a whole lot because he had, he had his own, uh, in preparing for Mammoth, um, he had his own problems with getting his rifle set up. Unfortunately, he had a, uh, a, a barrel that uh, uh, wasn't manufactured right. And we ran through, had a gunsmith run through every scenario and then run back out to the range and shoot it. And he's still having problems and then run back and say, well, Maybe it's the gas system. Let's run back out. And um, it, it eventually he had to borrow a rifle for Mammoth that he wasn't familiar with. Right. Um, and that was and that was a, a really uh, Knowing your equipment, man. I mean, and, and that's yeah. part of the problem when, like, from a, a writer's perspective where you're getting something from somebody. And like you said, you get, like, 45 days with it. You had two months to play around, so you got a solid system from Ashbury, but – that doesn't happen with everybody. So, you know, you start, you're learning on the fly and, and that's why it's, it's important to be intimate with your system and to understand it and to dope it and know those numbers are solid and to trust those numbers. Cause that's a big, that was, go, go ahead. No, that was really easy to do with, um, with, with the Ashbury because I knew that from the get go, when, when Morrison's team sent it to me, and it wasn't any different than, I mean, they didn't do a custom rifle and they just, it was their normal, it's, it's what they normally go through with their process with a, you know, they take a short action, uh, 700 Remington 700, um, and then, uh, inspect it. They have a higher level of quality. Yeah. They, they deburr it, they than, clean it up, they inspect it, they air gauge it, and then they put it back together and make sure it's within their spec because they do return a lot of them, um, you know, or they're changing barrels for whatever reason. If they get like a Friday barrel, you know, they'll go, they'll take <laughs> that off and they'll put a different one on it. You know, it might be a, it's still a takeoff Remington for the, the lower cost rifles that we're talking, the Remington barreled actions. But they're doing a bunch of little extra QC that Remington's not doing. And, you know, they're hand selecting, I guess, is the best way to put it, a barreled action. And then they fit it to their chassis, make sure everything's good. And then they do the accuracy test and have that data for you. So it it takes that part of the mental aspect of it out of the equation. You don't have to worry about your stick. These guys already did it. They, they All you got to do is dope it, understand your scope. And know what your bullet's going to do, and you're good on the rifle side. You know the physical, the you, the how you're going to execute a stage is all on you now, and it's one less thing to worry about. And one of the reasons why I'm going with Ashbury for for this training rifle that we're doing. Yeah, and it it, it did. It took the I did not have to worry about uh, how my rifle was going to perform if. Uh, you know, if my dope was solid, if if it was going to perform, I mean, they gave me the, they gave me the conditions that they did their testing on. I put it into my, I put it into the computer, um, did, you know, made the changes for the density altitude. Uh, and, and every time I went out to the, to the range, it was, it was, you know, where it's it supposed was to be. pretty dead on. I mean, the further out I got, you know, there, it, it, the, well, then that's the, you too. I, I mean, there's, there's your yeah. accuracy part of it as well. What did you find was the most difficult type of stage for you? What really tripped you up from a competitor standpoint or something? Was there something you found harder? Because, I mean, 
they're not all prone shots. You're not laying down and saying, there's three targets, lay down and shoot them. They're giving you a variety of scenarios. So what did you find was the most difficult thing that you think you would go back and practice more on knowing now what you didn't know then? I would practice. I would know the balance point of my rifle better. Uh, and that's a me thing. That's not the, that's, that's not the rifle. Um, and, uh, I, I would know, uh, the, what really tripped me up was offhand standing, uh, unsupported shooting, offhanded shooting, standing, um, just knowing, you know, you're always going to wobble, but practicing reducing that wobble on unsupported shots. And did you have uh, the, um, Remington trigger in it or did they put a trigger tech? Probably the Remington, I, right? They, they gave me a Remington, but I had a trigger tech. So I, I immediately switched out okay, and put, cool, in a tri- cool. it put in a trigger tech. Yeah, to lighten and, it up and, a little bit. Because in positional, that lighter trigger is what helps. And I have tr- I have trigger tech on, uh, I have a precision AR and then kind of a, a three gun. Not really a three gun because it's it's heavy, but it's, it's a tactical, quote unquote, AR from, uh, uh, from SMOS. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they put, they, they, those are the guys who introduced me to trigger tech when, when trigger tech was, was first around, first come around. Sure. And, uh, I, I, I like it. I like the feel of that trigger. Um, it's almost like a, it, it's, it's different cause it has that roller bearing in it. Uh, so it's, it's, it's not like a, you can't say it's like a true two stage, like a Geisley is a, is a two stage, but it has that feel to it. Yeah. It breaks um, nice. It's a nice clean break to it. And, be- and it's in a really short reset, yeah. which is, which is good, um, to help you with your follow through. Cause you know, I, at first, you know, everyone starts try to slap their trigger and then I listen to you and I, uh, read the fundamentals and just do that shoot, hold, let go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. Break. And I hesitate a lot. If I have a prone shot far, especially I hesitate long on that follow through. I'm breaking freeze until I see what's going on. And then I come off because I'm not in a hurry. Distance gives me that time and opportunity where if I'm closer and I have to shoot fast, well, I can. But if you watch the videos, especially like lately, the, the ones I do with Brian Whalen, where I'm shooting the Valkyrie really far. If you, yeah. if you pay attention to how long I'm hesitating on that trigger after I break the shot, I think people would be surprised if they were giving me, you know, 1,001, 1,002 count on my follow through because that far away, the fundamentals make a much bigger difference. I could be sloppy 400 yards and in. I can't be sloppy 1,400 yards and out. And so that's where I do that hesitation on on a bigger scale. Yeah, one thing I I learned that your mistakes are amplified uh, under time and distance. So, you know, the, the, the more time that that bullet is, is in the air and your mistakes at the trigger, uh, uh, get amplified. So, you know, if, if it's just a hundred yards and you're slapping the trigger, well, you're still within one minute of target. But, uh, when you lengthen that out, yeah, you're no uh, longer your, there. Your mistakes get amplified and, and yeah, no, you're right. So, yeah, so just in, in the, the shooting the shooting part, me training would uh, is knowing uh, knowing my ballistics uh, better with uh, when the rifle is canted because there's some stages where you had to cant your rifle. Oh, they had rollover uh, like supine to, and stuff. Yeah, and so uh, I got I knew it. Bookwise, I knew what it was doing. Putting in there, but but you're yeah, under- not practicing it. You're not sure how it how it prints now. You see, you understand the concept, but where it actually prints becomes this like, wait a minute, it's hitting over there. It's supposed to be hitting over here. I'm just using my windage as an elevation, and my elevation as a windage and an offset. But that's not yeah. really working right. Yeah, and hold over towards the magazine side, and then you know, and but uh, little things like. Uh, okay, I'm canted over 90 degrees. I'm on, so I'm resting on the the um, the left hand side of the rifle. Uh, my bolt is up, and now I'm cycling the bolt back. But I didn't cycle back hard enough, and didn't throw uh, the round now, down. It came right back in. 
right came right back in so i'm wasting <laughs> time picking up and i'm feeling you know and then your your nerves get get elevated and you're like oh crap now everyone's looking at me and, and you're I, thinking I, about the clock and <laughs> yeah and, and um that well I actually had an advantage. My, my my partner after the first day, after we missed the first rut, um, he uh, and, and he didn't get, he wasn't shooting well uh, in a rifle that he didn't own. Uh, he was frustrated. He decided to go home after the first day, um, which is never fun it. when it's a team match. Yeah, it's never fun when it's a team match. You know, that's what he felt he had to do. Um, and I'm fine with that. I wasn't going to talk him out of it. Um, you know, he made his decision after, you know, uh, and that, that, that's fine. That, that That's what was good for him. Um, I was staying no matter what. I saw value in it being a tremendous learning experience. Um, and without a partner, I got to have uh, the Marsoc guys were giving me advice. I had some of the ROs were from Benning. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't want to talk about the Marsoc guys. They got me drunk in Vegas. Oh, <laughs> uh, was it the same guys that were at? Uh, I don't know. Well, shout out to Lewis and Dylan. I have no idea. They're, I think they're Mars. I think they're West Coast instructor dudes, not East Coast guys. But oh, uh, these, yeah. these guys were out of Sneed's Ferry. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. L- Lewis and Dylan made it really fun for me. So mm-hmm. shout out, shout out to those guys. Now, also um, too, um, how much ranging? Because I saw something in an email you were using that Nukon. And you use the gate system to beat the rain for your laser. Right. So for the, the second stage, now most of the targets were of, uh, you could use, you could use your, uh, range finder on every stage. There wasn't a stage that, uh, limited electronics. So every stage where you would need to get a range or confirm range, um, you you could most uh so, you know, some sometimes they give you a range. There's one stage where they say your range will be on uh on an obstacle. So you'll have to the primary and secondary ranges would be on an obstacle. And sure enough, some of them are in meters and some of them are in yards and it's not it's mixed. So there's a little mental challenge. Um I didn't think about using my laser rangefinder to confirm distances on those. I'm trying to do the the math, math right? You're, you're running the conversion from uh, meters to yards, right? And so I got so uh, after the stage, you could you could watch other shooters from stuff. So the uh, the guys from third group, sure enough, they're using their their laser rangefinder. They're like, oh, why didn't I think of that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, but I, I did get to use the the Nikon uh, optics. Second stage was unknown distance, uh, high angle shot uh, in the rain uh, from one of their towers, and um, people were getting weird, weird readings. Uh, we talked about it afterwards, and they're like, "I, I just, I didn't know." It's like I, I got two fifty, and one guy said, "I got thirty five yards." I know it wasn't thirty five yards. Mm-hmm. The rain just was really screwing people up. So uh, I had the uh, Nukon Optics. I, I borrowed their uh, thirty five hundred. It has a gate function where I can say, I know by looking at it, it's probably over 200 yards. Uh, so I set the gate real quick. It's, uh, there's only two buttons to use on that. Um, and you can get to the gate function very, very quickly, set it for 200 yards in like half a second, and was able to, to range find the, the Right, targets. it'll go past the rain now, and it'll say, that's a bad number. And usually 45 yards, that 35 to 45 yards is pretty common when it's raining or snowing and, and people have that situation. So you putting it out there, you're telling the laser, ignore the bounce back that's close. Ignore anything inside 200 yards of a signal you're getting. You need to go farther. Exactly. So I was getting uh, dead on... Uh, you know, d- dead on uh, ranges on that stage. Um, oh, the, the only miss I the, the misses I had were because of uh, bad wind calls. Gotcha. Which is ju- just practice. And living in North Carolina, uh, in the range, the, the, the two ranges that I was shooting at, uh, we didn't ever have wind over six miles an hour. And uh, I know I talked to Chaz out in Montana with with Warhorse, and he's like six miles an hour. 
I'm talking 50, you know, I'm talking 20 on a great, you know, yeah, here we've, I've been mentioning that. I mean, it's be, it used to be six to eight was kind of an everyday average. And now we're like 12 to 15, 12 to 18 has become more consistent out here. And, and they see it in Wyoming all the time. Uh, you know, like I said, they, they, they gauge wind up there with chains and, you know, every, yeah. every spring you have to figure out how many tractor trailers will get tipped over in a single windstorm, you know, and then the news will say, oh, six tractor trailers are tipped over, you know, coming north into, you know, past Cheyenne and yada, yada. So we've mentioned that quite a bit. Did you have, though, did, had you listened to the podcast and did you have a know what miles per hour gun that was? How were you working the wind in that situation or were you just kind of working on the software to tell you um i was well it we didn't have a whole it was just that one day that we had a we had a lot of uh a lot of a lot of wind um i had listened to your podcast about wind calling on the way down to mammoth and what mile an hour wind i had so i kind of i was like okay i'm just i know what my dope is and i know what my computer is telling me for various winds I'm not going to, I, I, it was too late for me to cloud my head with, with that. It was very, very easy. It's very, very easy to learn, but I, I, right now you're already, now you're throwing an extra layer on top of what you already have been, you know, obsessing about. And, you know, if you throw that extra layer on now, something you were, you were really working on just fell out of the other side of your head. But I wish I, I, I had discovered that and, and and what you were talking about and knowing what mile an hour gun I had uh, sooner earlier. Yeah. It would have I, I, I the like I said that my elevations were were always were, were always good. The software didn't fail me and um, the gun didn't fail me. The wind calls if I had known if I had known then what I know now, um, I def I, I would have. Uh, my holdovers would have been more accurate. Gotcha. Gotcha. So give so, us, we're coming on the hour pretty soon. Give us a good kind of wrap up of what you learned, like your lessons learned in like a bullet point format for the guys out there listening. Cause there's a lot of people like us. There's a lot of people in, you know, whether it's their late thirties, mid forties or early fifties who are getting into precision, uh, you know, rifle, what's the bullet point takeaways and I, you know, I think just to say straight up is the your physical uh, ability and, you know, your hydration, your nutrition. And that is a big, important part that people don't understand for these matches. I mean, you see guys constantly fueling up the good shooters, whether it's jerky, candy, whatever the case may be. You always want to fuel up. But on the other end of things, from a, a competitor standpoint, because like I said, Mammoth's a gut check match. And that's not common anymore, but at the same time, the shooting side of it and the learning side of it is going to be the same for any match. So give me your bullet points. I would, um, for specifically for mammoth, if, uh, if you're, if you're getting into a zone where you're comfortable that you're ready for mammoth, then you're definitely not ready for mammoth. (laughs) So, um, I learned that. I thought I was ready. I definitely was was not ready. I mean, Mammoth will find a way to fuck you every single every single time. So uh, that's that's kind of the the, the rule mantra. number one. Yep. And, and I'm sorry, my, I'm sorry, my wife is going to be listening to this, and she's going to. I we swear on my podcast. Don't sweat it. <laughs> but uh, well, it's my mother-in-law too. She'll be she'll. She'll You're 50. Be dis- You're disappointed. 50. <laughs> She'll be disappointed in me. Um, but uh, I just I get, practice the fundamentals. Um, Mammoth, it's a, it's a rucking event, so you know the the heavy the the the, the heavy complicated F class type guns, the rock solid ones that you can uh, re- free recoil. There wasn't a stage at Mammoth at all where you could free recoil. Uh, I, I guess you probably could, if, you know, on, on uh, one or two of the barricade stages. Um, I did shoot from a tripod, but I didn't free recoil off off of the tripod. Um, uh, I, I think you know you you, you don't want to carry a heavy rifle, right? Um, I mean, you got to carry it, and you got to beat a clock. 
My the, the Ashberry, not to sound like a commercial, but uh, the the Ashberry was what was an ideal gun for this 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 type of event. And it, it, it's a good gun if you're thinking about getting into precision. Yeah, rifle it's 11 shooting, just, pounds just out of the box. How it comes out is 11 pounds, and then you're going to add your scope to it. So you're still under 15 with it in, with the scope, even if you went a heavy vortex. Uh, when I you, was you, with you, my Steiner. I was four, 14.3. There you go. I think. So that was yeah. I mean, and, and that that was good. It's durable. I mean, I I I, I didn't drop it on the muzzle, but I. Uh, it, I dragged it. There's some stages where I had to drag it. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's, it's good. It's modular too. So I, I, there was, um, uh, my Luth AR, uh, stock that I normally was shooting, uh, didn't have, I didn't have the, the, uh, sling mount, the QD sling mount put in it. Um, and so the two nights before I just switched out and put in uh, a mag pool. Uh, PSR um, uh, stock, or no, CTR, sorry, uh, butt stock on it and built up a cheek, uh, a cheek piece to, to where I needed it to be, and that was great. Um, uh, if I wanted to take off the handguard, I could take off the handguard and put on a, a, hunter, a hunter stock. So, the, you know, the yeah, you can is, see that in the video. Is, is he shot, great. like I said, he shot the Cabello's model, and I put that video out on YouTube this week that shows it with the Hunter okay. front end, the CTR on it, and then I swapped it out for the M lock, and then the adjustable back, the heavy back. Um, so yeah, you can see that in the video on YouTube that I just did. Oh, okay, yeah, I've, I've like I've, I've I've taken a break from from. Uh, obsessing about long range for a little yeah. while to, to, <laughs> to get to know, the holidays off to, to get to know my family again. Uh, uh, but yeah, and I would just, just dry fire, uh, get out there and the physical stuff, um, go out and rock and, uh, you know, move heavy things, uh, over, over distance to, to get in shape. Um, and for someone like, you know, for someone like me, who's, uh, you know, I'm middle-aged if I, if I live to be a hundred, which I hope, uh, getting out there and doing stuff like this is, is, is awesome. It keeps you, you know, it, it keeps you in with the young guys. Um, and no other sport can you play and get into a competition and be shooting right alongside with the best in the business. It's like if I was to go out and do, uh, uh, do a golf tournament, and I'd be in a foursome with like Phil Mickelson and Tiger Woods. Yep. And then, and then them giving me coaching advice on how to be a better golfer. I mean, that, that you don't do that anywhere else. And, but, and, and that's kind of how precision rifle and the squads and everything goes. And that's the, that's the, that's the draw to it where, you know, where the pro shooters will say, you know, getting exposed to us. And one of the reasons why I tell people split the squads up, mix in new people with the seasoned guys, because that is exactly right, man. If you're in a squad that they mixed up and you got a Tiger Woods of the shooting industry in that squad with you, you'll learn so much right there versus if they put you in a squad where it's kind of everybody's the same level or they build what's called super squads and they say, well, all the best guys want to shoot together and they want to keep an eye on each other. They want to make sure their points are together. Avoid that pitfall and split them up. Mix them throughout the, 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 the field. Absolutely. And I had, like I said, I had the advantage of, I had uh, a sniper instructor spotting for me, telling me after the stage was over, telling me, Hey, you, this is, this is where you are off. If you would just make this little tweak, you're, you know, you're good over here, but here's where you were overthinking it. Or here's where you were, you were not, here's stuff you didn't think about. And you're like, Oh, mental note. And then I get better on the next stage. And he's like, yeah, it's exactly what I was, what I was talking about. Perfect. And so that, so that was the advantage of doing it solo for two days for most of the, the, the stage. I got that, um, that exposure. Uh, and it just got me hooked even more to do so. I'm looking up at, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm like, God, I don't think I can make the Bushnell elite. Uh, what about the sniper adventure challenge? No, I can't make that either. I can't, you know, I'm like, yeah, yeah. Wh- wh- where's, where's the next, where's the next one. So, um, yeah, just, there's, there's nothing to it, but, but to do it, I, I think, um, you don't be intimidated by the guys who are running like the, 
saying that you know you have to run the like the the six dashers or the PRC, you're the latest, greatest, sexy, hand loaded, uh, neck down version of this or that um, to to be uh, to, to be competitive. I mean, there's there's guns out there like the uh, like Ashbury that uh, are Ferraris. Uh, that 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 a sixteen year old can drive. Right, right. Yeah, no, totally agree. That run with your brung, man. Don't obsess over. I mean, we talk about gear so much, and and that's kind of you know how just life is for when you're you're on this side of the microphone and you too writing about it. But at the same time, you don't need it just because something new came out today doesn't mean that to throw away what you got last year. You know, it, yeah, we're talking about all this new, latest, and greatest, but. As I've mentioned on the cast, man, a lot of times in the video, I'm that AI I'm shooting is a 2010. I love it. Yeah, you know, I mean, there's I, I saw guys out there that that had had guns with hunting stocks on them, just you know, like Hogue Hogue Palmer hunting stocks on there, no built up cheekwell, nothing adjustable on it. Uh, the rust rust speckles on the bluing, and and those guys just they knew their gun. You know, they knew where it was going to go and they were, you know, you just, it, it, it's, it's like Christmas, you know, Christmas music. They're like, ding, 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 ding. And you're like, wow. You know, they, they, <laughs> they just know, they know where it's going. Yeah, it's John, it's John Armstrong at the world record event with his seven STW hunting rifle and 10 X super sniper going three for three at a mile. You know, here's yeah. this guy on a bench with his dope written in marker and he's at a world record event alongside the biggest Lamborghini race cars, you name it. And he goes three for three at a mile with a hunting rifle, straight up. And only because his main gun was in the shop and he didn't want to not shoot it. And the guy lands himself in sort of a record book situation with with that, you know, off the shelf with a 10X at a mile. So it's, it's doable. Learn your equipment. Learn yourself. Understand hydration, nutrition. And, and where your limits are, and then, you know, when you're practicing, you just got to push beyond them. It's that easy. It really is. <laughs> it kind of really is. But you need time. You got family. We all, you know what I mean? This isn't your only yeah. job. And so people, you know, we understand that y- y- the more lead time you get, the better you should be. But that doesn't mean life doesn't intersect in the way and take you on a side road that has nothing to do with this. And now you're coming back on course. So we get it, and which is why the the more inter- intimate you become with that simplified equipment, the better it is when things do get in the way. A- absolutely, and it's it's one of those things that's it's simple to do, but hard to master. If that makes any sense, yeah. Um, you know, some things are hard to do, but easy to master. Like once you get that, you, you get that. Uh, get past that plateau, it gets easy to master. Like I guess snowboarding is like that. It's it's hard to hard to learn, but uh, easy to master. I think long range shooting is easy to learn, but hard hard to master. Yeah, you can yeah. get you can get in there and you can get behind a gun and you can start getting the satisfaction of r- ringing steel at 100, 200, 500, 700 yards, and then you know getting. You, know, you get getting better, um, and you can't buy it. You just have to. You got to do it, man. It's experience, right? Yeah, and that's what I, that's what I learned. I mean, I I obsessed a lot over you know what what caliber, what gun, what should I build, what should I do, what should, I, and I just finally, um, I don't know. It was just Morris and the guys are like, let us do it. Let us just just trust us. That's, and and that's Morris, man. And that's why you work with him. It's like trust me. And it's like okay, go. And and that's why you put that faith in in people like professional people like that within their space. When they say trust me, you're better off trusting them and focusing on something else that you can control, you know, and, and working it that way. I think what you're saying is going to resonate with a lot of people out there who want to dip a toe into precision rifle competition or want to dip a toe into different aspects of the precision rifle world as we see it today but are, are afraid or over-obsessing or don't think they're ready. And all these things you're talking about, I think, will will resonate with someone listening right now. I mean, and you can't, like someone said, don't think about what's, what's the worst that can happen. 
just think about what the best that the best that can happen. And so I learned a lot about myself. I'm going to do it again next year. I've, I've got a partner all ready to go. Um, hey, Matt. And um, it, it's fun. I mean, I, I, it's 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 the most fun you'll have being miserable. Nice. Um, <laughs> it, yeah, it, it's afterwards you're like, man, I, I can't wait. And just watching people finish and watching, you know, the, the, it's just, it's, I mean, it's cool. And, and, um, and at Fort Gordon, Fort Gordon was a great host and Callie and, and Chris Andrews and Kristen from grunt style. They, they put a, uh, a really event, a good event together. I got to shoot one stage with Tim Jensen at, at Jensen at, uh, from grunt style, which was awesome. Nice. Uh, that made, that made my weekend to, to he's a great guy. Um, but every, yeah, I would encourage anyone who can do it can take that first weekend in January off and is willing to be uncomfortable for four days, three, four days, uh, to absolutely do it. And you don't have to do tough, man. You can do the, you, you, you can do the regular yeah, they have guy, different levels. Is, they have different levels that you can do. You don't have to do the gut check stuff to a degree. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, I should have done regular. Uh, you get to go home and have a hot shower and, and, and be under, uh, you know, be in a comfortable bed. Uh, there's no, no shame in, in doing that. Um, the 20 year old guys can, can camp outside in the freezing rain. Nice. <laughs> nice. Cold, wet and hungry, man. That's why I got on Marine yeah. Corps. <laughs> <laughs> so, and you guys love it. So yeah, exactly. I, exactly. Well, Gordon, I want to thank you. We're up on, like I said, we're just past the hour. I try to keep it right here, keep people's attention and stuff without putting them too far. But I really great. appreciate you sharing your experiences with everybody. You could be willing to come on and talk about it. Like I said, that you got together with Ashbury, with Nucon Optics. And, and it's all the people that I've been talking about on top of the competition side of it with Mammoth and, and, and just coming out at it from a layman's term to let people listen to that, I, I think is just a really good way of having, you know, of just learning from other people, you know, and, and spreading the knowledge across the airwaves. So uh, I, I definitely appreciate you you calling in and, and you just giving everybody your experiences. Well, th- thanks, Frank. And thanks for all you do to, to help guys like me weed through the uh, weed through the myths and mythology of, of, of getting it, uh, uh, of getting that steel rung far, far away. It's a rabbit hole, man. And if you're not careful, you could fall down it. And, and that's why we're just trying to help you give you some, 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 uh, some handholds. You know what I mean? We're trying to give you handholds. So when you navigate these, these paths and these tunnels, you, you got something to kind of fall back on and to hang on to. So it, it, it helps, and, you, and you're just there reinforcing this for people, or at least for me, to say, hey, I'm on the right path. You are. Thanks. Thanks. I appreciate it. Yep. Thank you. Have a good one.